So then, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a bit of a typo. Uh, it came up as international hope. It's actually intentional hope is the title of this message because we're focusing on the ministry of grandparents. And as Nancy has just told you a number of times, I'm going to just reiterate the same thing. It's an important role that God has blessed us all with and that he has given to so many. And I think that many of us, as we look back at our own grandparents, that we often have these, these very fond memories of the times that we spent with them. Many of you probably remember going fishing with your grandparents. I remember going crab fishing with my grandpa. And uh, up in the northwesternmost corner of the United States is where my family is from in a place called the Puget Sound, a little town called Friday Harbor. And my grandpa Jerry would take me crab fishing. And if you haven't been crab fishing, let me tell you, it is one of the most difficult forms of fishing because you have to wake up, got to get the pods ready, you just pull them out and open them up. You have to get a, uh, the bait and put it inside the pod. Then you throw the pods in the water. Then you go back to bed because it's a very challenging work. When in reality, it's, it's one of the easiest things. Because later on in the afternoon, once you've had a good sleep, then you go out and you pull up the pods and, and grab the crabs. But, you know, I have these fond memories of my grandpa teaching me how to drive the boat, how to pull in the buoys, how to pull up the pods, how to not get pinched, how to uh, measure the crabs, find out which is male, which is female, because you've got to throw the females back. But then when we'd bring all the, the catch home, we'd take them to grandma, and grandma taught me how to cook the crabs, and she, I remember it fondly because she was such a good teacher, still is a good teacher, uh, very patient and loving and, and gentle uh, as we try and get things going. I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so if it says like half a cup, I'm like exactly half a cup. And so she really taught me that, no, you, kinda, you can kind of fudge it a little bit, don't worry about it. But still to this day, my grandparents and I have that relationship, uh, that, that close connection. My grandpa Jerry is the guy that I go to for advice. He, he is very wise, especially when it comes to financial things. And I'll be honest, I'm not good with money and I need a lot of help with it. But then my grandmother is just one of the easiest people to talk to that without even realizing it, we can sit and chat for hours. And um, one of my fond things about going to Phoenix for the conference that I would normally go to is I also get to see my grandparents and I would spend the day with them. But when we look at our grandparents, we all have these fond memories, right? We have these memories of fishing, hunting, gardening, traveling, crafting. I mean, you name it. There are so many things that we've gotten to do with our grandparents. But the thing that I want us to consider today is how many of us have memories of the faith being passed on? It's not something that a lot of grandparents have really seized, that opportunity to share that faith. There definitely are some, but not all. As Nancy just kind of talked about in the children's message, <clears throat> grandparents have seen, been really seen as, as the spoilers, right? They give candy, they give gifts. I also think that they're seen a lot of times as the babysitters, right? Mom and dad need a break, so go hang out with grandma and grandpa for a while, right? And sure, these, these times are very good and they're very important. And they help build these really important, lasting relationships. But the question to consider is, what about the everlasting relationships? And that got me thinking about a, a, 
a really big problem that we have right now <clears throat> is that there's no urgency in sharing our gospel message. We don't like to talk about it. But what happens to those who do not have the gospel? To those who do not believe, they will not be saved. We don't talk about this enough. And I think it's because we don't like the reality. We don't like the truth of it. We know the truth of it, but we don't like it. Because the truth is not eternal life, but eternal death. We don't want this. When I speak of urgency, this is what I'm talking about. Where is our urgency to make sure that people know this life-giving and saving message? When I speak of urgency, what are we doing? And as we consider this need, this, this urgency that we need to have, first and foremost, we go to God's word and we look for his guidance. We look for him to drive us and push us in the right direction. And firstly, we look at Ezekiel today. And God is pretty clear in Ezekiel. He puts it two very straightforward ways. There are two paths, one of righteousness, one of wickedness. And it's easy to cross those paths. A righteous person can fall onto the wicked path, and a wicked person can fall onto the, righteous, the path of righteousness. But what I really look at today is, is how clearly that's laid out, but yet God is called unjust in that. He has things set up for salvation for these people, but yet he is unjust. And you can almost hear and see God just kind of rubbing his temples going, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Do you think I like this? And this is why I think verse 32 is so important. I do not have pleasure in people dying. I don't like people dying. I want people to turn and live. God has this urgency also in, in providing this salvation. He doesn't delight in death. He delights in life. And as we look at Jesus in this gospel lesson, there, of course, are, are many things happening in this gospel lesson. But what I want us to focus on is who God shows himself to be. And he has an urgency to make sure that salvation is there and present and as he speaks to these priests and elders today, he shows this great command and authority. But especially what I hear in this passage is the love of Christ. Is he's trying to correct these priests and elders who are wrong. And to show them the truth and the way to life. Because the tax collectors and prostitutes are being saved. But the priests and the elders are not. This is something that's supposed to make you kind of do a double take and, and go, hold on, did I read that correctly? Because we think of the priests and the elders as being righteous people, but what Jesus shows is that the tax collectors, people who are considered thieves, prostitutes, people who are, as their profession, adulterers, these people are being saved. They have turned from their wickedness to God's path of righteousness. They know that only God can save them. But yet these priests and these elders, they think, they think that they can work out their salvation by themselves without any help from God. But Jesus is showing them that they are to turn from their ways to God, to find God, and to find life. 
Well, so then as we are looking at this passage today, as we are seeking to understand it, bring it into our own hearts and make it relevant to our own lives, the question then is, is how do we do this? How do we make sure that we are turning from wickedness to righteousness? And it's always through the cross of Christ, through the grave of Christ, through his resurrection. You know, I was thinking about this. The, we don't talk enough about the grave of Christ. And that's an extremely important place because Jesus isn't there. You see, as we are looking at wickedness and righteousness, I think many of us realize that we can't turn from our wickedness. We try to, but we can't. But yet, God in his mercy takes our place, takes our wickedness upon himself and takes care of it by dying for it, pays that price. But then as Jesus is buried and placed in the grave, the wickedness stays there, dead, while Christ leaves it alive. And then from this, God works to show us that his righteousness has been given to all people Stop trying to do it on your own and see that I have done everything for you so that you can just live. And while this might seem to stray from our focus on grandparenting, this is the timeless truth that saves. That Christ has died, that he is risen, and that this gift of God saves you. Everybody needs to hear this message, including your own family. Because when we look at the world, the world tries to do it solely, completely on their own. The, the positivity is to make yourself feel better. The work, the, the acts of service are to make yourself feel good. But what we see in the truth of Scripture is that no matter how hard we try, we cannot save ourselves. But it's our belief and our trust in God which saves us. The confession that Christ is Lord, that he is my Savior, that saves us. But the world thinks that, nah, that's, I don't really need that. I just have to kind of outweigh my, my bad with my good. I just have to be a little bit better than I am bad, and then I'll be fine. But yet what we really see is people who are tired, who are tired of, of trying and trying and failing of people who are beat up by their guilt, of people who are controlled by their own desires, of people who are sick of all the competing truths in this world. But then again, they're lost. They do not have life. They think they can save themselves, but they're wrong. They need God's eternal blessings. They think that God kind of looks at them. They don't have to have a relationship with him. He just looks at them and says, eh, they're more good than they are bad, then they're fine. But that's not the case. And each and every single one of us have people that believe this in our families. That's why family ministry is so important. Because the question is, is who's going to tell them the truth so that they might turn and live? you are. This is your job. You are not saved so that you can just sit on your rear and lazily enjoy salvation. You are saved and then called 
to go and bring the good news of salvation to the lost. Because the way that God has chosen to work is through people. Through everyday people like you and me. And I know some of you hold the, the office of the pastor highly, and that you should. But me as a, as a man, I'm no better or different than you. I have all my struggles with sin. The only difference, really, for most of us is that I went to school longer than you. That's really it in a lot of cases. But God has chosen all of us to bring this message of salvation, this good news, so that people might turn and live. But you can't just expect it that if you just go and, and tell them this, that, that it's, it's going to happen. You can't just expect people to just learn about it. You have to be intentional. You have to go and do this work, and you have to take the next step to follow up and follow up. And of course, there's always the worry of rejection. And as we read in Scripture, that's an extremely valid worry for you to have of being rejected. Because when we look at the gospel lesson, Jesus emphasizes how John the Baptist was rejected. You guys didn't listen to John the Baptist. One of the biggest things that we see throughout Scripture is how Jesus is rejected. So it's a valid worry there. I, I continually go back to Matthew 28. You know, we, we hear the, the command for us to go and make disciples and baptize and teach. And this great and encouraging mission statement that we've all been given. But right before that, these people who know Jesus are going to see him on the top of this mountain. Some believe and some doubted. They have the resurrected Christ right in front of them and they're doubting. It's, it's totally fine to, to worry about being rejected. It's totally fine to have your doubts. But yet, and especially understand this, that as God has done this work to save you, he's done this work to change your heart. And the love that God has for his creation does not allow him to stop, to stop reaching people, to stop, to stop bringing his salvation to people, to stop bringing life to his people. God's heart will not let him do that. And the new heart that he has blessed you with through Christ cannot let you do that either. Because you, having been saved, will carry this message of hope. You will follow Christ not just here, but in, the, in everyday walks of life and whatever path that you tread on. And what I want you also to think about is that you aren't called to the four corners of the earth. You're called here. You're called first to your family, to be a brother, sister, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whatever. That you are called by God to these people. That's your mission field. And then from there, you have to be intentional about it. You can't just expect that because your family, they'll listen to you. That because you... You know, if you're a grandparent, your, your age and experience and wisdom, that, that'll automatically grant you the honor that they'll listen to you. Because that's foolish. They won't. You have to be intentional to find these times and these opportunities to reach out, to share the faith. As Nancy really emphasized, to share those stories. 
those stories, I, I know that one of the truths of, of humanity is we love stories. I think something that's true for all of us is how much we love the stories of, of our families. Hearing about how they have dealt with things and hearing their different walks. I still remember so many stories of my grandfather, how he went through Korea and Vietnam, how he lived in Cuba for a while, how he was in the Navy and doing all these things. It was just, I'm still just so enamored by them. But these stories of faith, too. What I want you to understand is that God has blessed you with this opportunity that you can now seize and that you need to be intentional about showing God's love, specifically showing what God has done to bring you from that path of wickedness to his path of righteousness and life. Amen? Amen. Amen.